Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Now, when David came to Ziklag in verse 26, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah to his friends saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. And then he goes on and says, he went to these different places and sent these things to them, letting them know you know, that he had gotten regained the stuff from the enemy. In verse 31, he says, those who were in Hebron and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. You know, where they kind of where they were running, the ground that they were kind of covering, they, they sent back and got these things to these guys. Now, when the Philistines fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa, then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Saul's other son. You knew that one might happen. I forgot to get my little green book out on that one. I got a little green book that takes those words and then it spells them out phonically. (laughs) So I have to write them in real small print phonically right below them, but I missed that one. Sorry about that. Uh, Saul's sons. That's why I told you, bring your Bible. You can read along. Uh, The battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, so he took an arrow. He was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore, Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together that that same day. Remember when Samuel was speaking at medium, you know, remember with that situation uh, with the witch at Endor? That thing that Samuel said was exactly this, and it happened. Just as Samuel said, just as Samuel told him before, the kingdom has been torn from you. This is out of my hands. You've done this. You shouldn't have done this. You've done this. Would you notice with me a couple of things about Saul's situation here? In verse 4, he asks his armor bearer, please, would you just, just thrust me through? He's wounded. He wants to be thrust through. He just wants let just us just end this. So he wants to, again, unfortunately, all the way through this verse, he's taking the matter into his own hands. He's taking matters into his own hands. I think that's important to, you know, just see it for what it is. He's taking matters into his own hands. But what's he wanting to do? What does he want to do? He's really concerned about his reputation, He's really concerned about what other people think of him. He's really obsessed with his image. He says, man, I don't want, let, let these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. He says, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be 
you know, stuck with them. I, I don't want them to, to, to do these. He's concerned about what, what's going to happen between him and men, mankind, other men, other people. That's what his, his focus is. Instead of being kind of fixated on, man, I probably get right with God, <laughs> you know. You would think, wouldn't you, that at this point he'd be thinking that way. Why do I say that? Why don't you turn back to uh, chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, and we'll get a little bit more of the heart of it. Chapter 15, verse 30 is the specific verse. And this is when that issue that I just mentioned had, had transpired between uh, Samuel and himself when uh, you know, he had... Uh, started doing the sacrifice himself and, you know, doing priestly duties that he shouldn't have done and so on. And remember, Samuel just told him, hey, the gods of the kingdom is going to be torn from you. This is his response in verse 30. He says, I have sinned. So he does, okay, this is the key. He acknowledges that he missed the mark. He acknowledges that what he was doing was wrong. But is there any indication of repentance? Do we see any indication of repentance? Acknowledging that what you're doing is wrong is not repentance. I think it's so important to note that. It's what you do with the acknowledgement that it's sin. It's am I going to be repentant? And repentant means to turn away from, but not only just turn your back on, but to turn away from and go the other way. Go away from that. Not just stop doing, but stop doing and go the other direction. So, He's not repenting. He says, I've sinned. He, he's acknowledging that this was, he missed, he, he was, it was wrong. But there's no real repentance. Because notice what he says in his next verse and what he's more obsessed with. Yet, honor me now. Please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. You know, it's not going to church, you know what I'm saying? It's not coming that, that doesn't saves anybody. It's the personal relationship, and he's completely missed all that. And his focus, again, is honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. He says, I want to be seen as being spiritual. I want to be seen. It's, it's his image. It's his reputation. Reputation is what you know, other people think of you. And that's the image that you leave with them. That's the reputation that you have. Character is what you and I are when no one else is around. Character is who we are when no one's around, but just you and God. That's your character, what you really are. Saul is quite a character, but he doesn't have much character. You know, he doesn't have really much true depth. And we're going to talk about that as we wrap up tonight in just a few minutes. This is his whole MO. He, this is where he's at. This is what he degraded down to. And he's been at this place. All, this is where he's been. Chapter 15, verse 30. He's just, now think in comparison to this, to what we read in Philippians when Paul writes about Jesus, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant and suffering even to the point of death and death on the cross for you and for me. 
He was willing to do that. He made himself of no reputation. He wasn't so worried about what people thought about him. He wanted to please the Father. He had a work to do. He had a purpose, a mission, and he is to be our example with purpose, with intent, with direction, circumspectly moving through life. Think of what he accomplished in three years of public ministry. Think of what he accomplished in 33 years of just life. What Jesus accomplished. It's amazing. And yet he made himself, was willing to make himself of no reputation. I love that thought because it provokes a lot of thinking for us and kind of just contemplation of, well, what am I really concerned about? What are you really concerned about? Are we concerned about what other people think or, and how they are perceiving something? Or are we really contemplating and thinking through, I want to please my heavenly father. I'm not so worried about my image. I'm more interested in the character that God's developing in my life. See, one is very focused on the Lord and God's purpose and intent, and one's just very self-focused, only on the horizontal plane and not on a vertical plane. We want to interact with God vertically. I'm telling you, if you're interacting vertically correctly, you're going to interact on a horizontal plane a lot better. God will use that. God will give you favor in situations. God, as long as you're right with the Lord. Look what we just saw, this complete transition with David, didn't we? Out of God's grace and God's mercy and his goodness. Saul wasn't that kind of guy. He was more obsessed with other things. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw the men of Israel, saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead. They forsook the cities and fled and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. So it happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. And when they had cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among their people, they put his armor in the temple of the Asherahs, their gods, you remember. And they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. So, how'd that work out? Taking matters into his own hands. What was he fearful of happening? What was he fearful of that was going to happen to him? Lest these uncircumcised men thrust me through and abuse me. Now his naked body is pinned with flies swarming it on the wall of the city as you enter in. And his head's just kind of been transported around the various places to show, look at this is the king of Israel. His armor now is just in the astros in there where they worship their gods and have all their perversion that goes on. That's where his stuff is. He's pinned up dead to a wall. He's made a complete spectacle, isn't he? And the very thing that he feared by taking matters into his own hands came upon him, didn't it? The very thing that he feared came upon him because he took matters into his own hands. Great lesson, huh? Better to trust God, let things be in God's hands. Verse 11. Now when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead saw that the Philistines, what the Philistines had done to Saul... 
all the valiant men arose and traveled all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. I think, wow, what a kind of a weird conclusion. I mean, why would these guys do this? Saul wasn't that good a guy. You know, why would they even do something like this? These guys of Jabesh Gilead. Why would they go and they make sure they, they, they're, they're warrior guys. They go and they pull them off the wall. They, you know, now, so now it's not only Saul, but now it's his three sons too are pinned up on. It's just nasty, man. It's a, it's a horrible, total humiliation of, of the nation Israel and of them totally. And it was all really because of what? Saul's sin, right? This interesting thing, if, if we just see this is what sin does. Sin brings great shame and humiliation. Sin brings brutality, dismemberment, disfiguration. Sin brings a gruesome death and spectacle. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, pinned to a cross, nailed to a cross, and became sin, the Bible says, that we would become the righteousness of God. He took all of our sin, all the sin of the world upon himself. So the awfulness of what this looks like doesn't compare to what Jesus took upon himself when he was beaten whipped and nailed to the cross because he took the sin of the world, because he loves us, because he loves you, because he loves me. What a wonderful God we have. Now, what are these guys doing going down and back over there? It's one, it's only a few miles from uh, Jabesh Gilead where these guys are at to Beth Shant, this area there. It's not, it's not a, a long, long haul for them. Do you remember, and you have to go back to 1 Samuel, I think it's um, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. In that chapter 11, you remember, this is the first place that Saul went and defended those people. You remember, they, there was a, a body that was chopped up and sent to all of Israel, and then there's this, this, this Saul went and he chopped up, you remember, the, the big, you know, like a heifer chopped up a bull and distributed it in 12 parts of the tribes. Do you, you remember that in chapter 11? And you can go back and read through it later and, and remind yourself of it and refresh. It's worth it to go back and see that was the people of Jabesh Gilead that everybody was dissing on. They were all against them because they were on the other side of the river and said, no, no, they're still a part of the, they're part of Israel. And he went and defended them. And they now, 40 years later, are remembering that. And they are going back and pulling him off of the wall and being merciful and right with him and, and giving him a decent burial, basically, is what happened. It's still a horrible thing. The whole thing's horrible. But it's honorable on their part, isn't it? They've gone back. They remembered how good Saul was to them. And where was Saul at that point? He was in the right frame of mind, wasn't he? In the very beginning. He started out well. A couple of things to think on. 
in, in chapter 26, verse 21, that first reference that I gave you that was not applicable at that time, but is applicable now. Um, this is what his, uh, his uh, epitaph, remember we, how we talked about what would be on his tombstone? I have sinned, Saul said, return my son David, for I will harm you no more because my life was more precious in your eyes this day. And this is, this is what it would say. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. This was, that was his life. He played the fool and he erred exceedingly. This is what's really interesting. This is the crazy part about the Bible, how it, things just kind of fit together. Do you realize this is just a few miles away from where his whole, this whole serving God, all this stuff started for Saul? He dies a few miles away from where, it all, where, he, where the whole thing started. So he starts with God, but what is, what is the mark that he's left? I have played the fool. I have erred exceedingly. That's, that's what he left behind. And he, he didn't, in a spiritual sense, the guy didn't, didn't grow, right? It's just started in this place, to have this 40 years of rule and reign, but really didn't do the things that he was supposed to do with that, what was entrusted to him. He didn't do what he was supposed to do with that. And now he's back to that same place and he dies right there within a few miles. And it's just, what did it all mean? What was it all about? So I think the thought is, are you growing personally in your walk with the Lord? Are you being challenged? Are you growing? Is, is God stirring? Is something happening? Are, are you further along in your journey than you were last week, last year, last few 10 years, whatever? Are you further along? Or are you in the same spot? Because if you're in the same spot, it's regressive. He's, it's ground point zero. Nothing's changed. Not our ground point zero that we think of now when I say that, but you know, the other ground point zero, the before 9-11, 2001. Just back to that point of beginning that was just, oh man, dude, what happened? God called you to rule and to... You see, God's called us as, as followers not to just know that we're saved. I mean, it's a wonderful truth, and I'm, I'm all for that knowledge. But again, it's, it's not just about that. We're engaged in a battle. Every day, we're engaged in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. What weighs in the balance is men's and women's, women's souls. Now, you're not responsible for all that. I understand, neither am I. But what we are responsible is for what are we doing with what was entrusted to us. Too much is given, the Bible says, much more is required. What are you doing with what was entrusted to you? Whatever that is, what are you doing with it? And, and this is, what did Saul do? Basically nothing. Nothing good with it, really. And the one really kind of good thing, God honored that, didn't he? Those people went and pulled them off the wall and took, you know, and did them right. God, God did honor that, but that was it. Just a waste. A couple of things, a couple of thoughts that I think are worth thinking about. In this going through 1 Samuel, I think we could say safely that we saw 
that Saul didn't take sin seriously. So I'm, I, I want to look at what some of the kind of, kind of from a negative perspective and turn it to positive, okay? Were you willing to do that with me for just a couple minutes? Just to think through just this little bit because I think these are good, good dog bags to take, doggy bags to take home with you, okay? Just a couple things of stuff in it. Saul didn't take sin seriously. He acknowledged it, but didn't really do anything about it. So what we want to do is say, okay, what should we do? Well, we should take sin seriously and we should be repentant. We should do something about it. Take it seriously, be repentant, move on. Follow the Lord, follow the Lord, follow the Lord. Stay on the trail. That's the most important thing. It's not, oh, well, you know, we can get so balled up inside because of failure. The whole thing is fail forward, fall forward. Don't fall backwards, don't fall sideways. It's fall, in the, stay on the trail. It happens. You're not always going to say and do and think and handle everything exactly right. You're going to fail. Failure is a part of life, and it's a part of the Christian experience too. It just is. Fail forward. Don't take Saul's approach. Look at where it ended up. He didn't take sin seriously. We should take sin seriously. Because what does it do? When lust is first conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin always brings death. That's what James said. When lust is first conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin always brings death. Things go into our heads. Things fly around in our minds. Let them fly right back out. See? Things fly in your head, send it back out. <laughs> you know? It's, it's the entertaining of, and once it goes from entertaining, then it goes into an act. So when lust is first conceived, let it fly out. You know, don't let it give birth, you see, to sin. Lust is first to see, gives birth to sin. Sin always brings, something's gonna die. Something's gonna die. A relationship, something will die. Better for us, die to self. Crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's, it's kind of, you know, Something's got to die is the key. I, it's biblical. Something's got to die. Better that we die to the flesh, you see, than that something else ends up having to go. This is Pastor Jim. You know, in, in the book of Acts, we learned a great little story. And I think about it sometimes when we wrap up a, a message like we did today and, and how there's just a, a response that kind of stirs in us when we hear God's word. You know, there was a, a guy that was a, a, a Philippian jailer. He was, a, a you know, just a jail guard. And he realized that the people that he was interacting with uh, were worshiping God and uh, connected with God. And his response when he interacted with these guys, he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And they said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You know, God's got a plan and a purpose not only for you, but for your family, for your household, for your friends. But it begins with you giving your life to Jesus and getting right with God. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you did give your life to Jesus, but you're not walking with him. Either way, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel message, the good news that God loves you and and has a purpose and plan for your life. Anyway, God loves you, and it's a simple prayer of faith, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. God will forgive you of your sin if you will confess your sin. He will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Let's pray that prayer right now. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin, that you'd come into my heart and make my heart your home. I want to receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for everlasting life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit that my life might please you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.